Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How's it going, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me this week, back from his uh, little mini vacation, is my co-host, Josh Schaefer. Now, Josh, when I did the solo episode last week, I said, uh, we're not going to be doing an episode, the two of us, until the rain, unfortunately, get eliminated from postseason contention. So, with you being back so quickly... (laughs) I'm assuming that this does not mean good news for our Ontario rain. Things did not go particularly well. Um, they played their two best games in in weeks, but were were unfortunate to lose a first round best of three series. Um, so, you know, disappointed um, that the season ends. It's always disappointing when the season ends without a milestone or a trophy or anything like that. But um, we had a fun year, and now um, I can you know get right back on the air for Inside the Ravine and, and talk more Dodgers. The good news is, though, that the L.A. Kings are still in the hunt. So at least they are fully out of it. They are. I actually made it to the game last night, um, which was the overtime loss, which was absolutely gut-wrenching and was very disappointing. Uh, I got um, two tickets for me and my dad, and there were portions of the drive home where we were silent. (laughs) how it always is that's how it always is but hey the kings are still alive so you got that going for you it's a jam-packed show today on inside the ravine but before we get to all the latest and greatest make sure you guys follow the show on any sort of social media app that you guys use we're on twitter instagram we're on TikTok, and we're also on YouTube. Just search us up at Inside the Ravine. You guys can also listen to every episode wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on the Odyssey app because we are brought to you by Odyssey Sports. We are also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and whatever app you know is out there. So, Josh, a lot to catch up on, a lot of Dodgers news to get to that has transpired over the past week or so. But we have some monumental Dodgers news that we have to start off the show with. Yeah, this we is do. massive news. I mean, this is insane news. If you're a Dodgers fan, this is probably the biggest news that you're going to get the entire season. I mean, this is... I I don't even know how to describe the news I'm about to share with you. But 
on Monday, April 24th, at right about noon or so, the Los Angeles Dodgers, I guess didn't officially announce, it's been reported by a bunch of beat reporters, so it's not officially official, but Michael Bush will be getting called up and making his major league debut with the Dodgers in Pittsburgh. So Josh, I see you made a quick wardrobe change. You're rocking yes, your Chad Mangler's hat. For months, we've joked about this day happening because we didn't think it would ever happen. We thought he'd probably be traded before, you know, he actually played a, played a game for the Dodgers. But Michael Bush is going to be getting called up. So, Josh, I'm going to turn it over to you, our Chatham A expert uh, and Michael Bush uh, number one fan enthusiast. Well, well, let me just say, um, let me just say that I have tried to manifest this. I have slept with this hat on um, every day for the last year and a half. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, Michael Bush, man, I, you know, I'm happy for him. Um, uh, obviously, I guess, like you said, technically nothing is official yet, but um, looking like that's going to be the case and he's going to join the team in Pittsburgh. Um, it'll be, so I was with the Chatamies for two years. <clears throat> Excuse me. The first year was 2018. I believe he's the fifth player from that team or will be the fifth player from that team to make his major league debut, which is, a lot. I mean, it's not that quick. I mean, for most guys, I think that's pretty standard, but to be the fifth guy, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, he's been terrific for the Dodgers, you know, number three prospect, um, 48th overall, uh, according to MLB pipeline. Um, and so far this year, he's been awesome through 21 games with, with OKC hitting 337, couple of home runs, uh, 967, uh, OPS, um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for him and I'm excited to see where exactly they want to, uh, slot him in. Um, because you know, Muncie is the guy who he's likely going to be stepping in for, um, he's going on the paternity list. Um, so, so long Brooklyn bridegrooms and hello LA, uh, I, I don't want uh, Papa bears. I don't, I don't know. Jeez. Yeah. Like the baby um, daddies or, or yeah, what? LA baby daddies. Some nickname. I, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it seems like that that's kind of been the trend recently, but yeah, good, good for Michael Bush. Um, you know, I hope that they can slot him in. Um, I think likely you could see him at second base. Um, I know that in college he played first, he caught a little bit. Um, and in the Cape league was when he officially transitioned to second base, which a lot of people haven't really seen him there f before. Um, and now he's been there a lot with the Dodgers organization. So, uh, looking forward to, uh, to potentially seeing his debut, uh, soon. Uh, and, uh, when he does, I will make sure that I am wearing this hat. Yeah. With, with Michael Bush, like the thing we always talked about was the fact that he would literally only get a shot if there was an injury in front of him. Like, he wasn't going to get called up because he was performing well because he's been performing well the last couple of years. It literally would take an injury. Josh, I didn't expect it to take uh, Max Muncy having a child in order for Michael Bush to get his chance. And like you said, we need to come up with the name because uh, Max Muncy... The LA Muncie, Daddies. The LA Daddies. The uh, <laughs> Max Muncy... Max Muncy on the paternity list. Bruce Dark Ratterall is apparently going to get added to the paternity list. Evan Phillips, a few days ago was added to the paternity list. And Mookie Betts, a few days prior to that, was added to the paternity list. So, Josh, I guess all the uh, investigative people over on Twitter were crunching the numbers. And apparently, if you go back nine months, it coincides with the uh, All-Star break when uh, 
The Dodgers had the All Star oh, game here, and a lot of guys had time no. off. So what I'm think what I'm thinking happened is Josh. There's obviously this. Oh, uh, I don't Twitter. want to hear there's, this. There's pro- oh, there's probably like a group text with all the Dodgers players. Now, obviously, you got the guys in there like Kershaw that have you know children already. He's probably good to go. But you got all these other guys that either don't have a kid or maybe they only have one. And I think on a certain night, let's say maybe that Wednesday night, the group text goes up. I don't know who it's from. You can pick whoever you want to decide is going to be the ringleader. But a text comes in that night at about 10 p.m. And it says, all right, fellas, it's go time. Because I'm just saying, it's a pretty big coincidence that you have four births over a one-week span from the Dodgers when we had an all-star break last week so or last year. So This is some I'm just sort saying, of uh, tinfoil hat theory, Blake. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, man. We need to find access to this Twitter group or this Dodger group text and figure out who the ringleader is, who's the master, who sent the text saying, let's get it done, let's go. Tonight's the night. Because four in one week. I'm just saying. There's a coincidence there. But uh, enough baby talk. Let's let's go back to Michael Bush. Enough baby talk. So Michael Bush, Josh, because the interesting thing is, like you mentioned, he was drafted pretty much as a second baseman. He came up as a second baseman, but there's essentially been no room for him. And this dude is literally, I think outside of maybe pitcher and catcher, has tried to learn every position. He's taken games at first base. He's taken games in left field. He's starting to take games at third base, which I guess he's going to be replacing Muncie at third base. But this dude has essentially played all over. He's done everything he can. And the fact that he's finally going to be getting his chance, because I think he's 25 years old right now, is going to be 26 at the end of the season. When you're a top 100 prospect, usually you're making your debut when you're 22, 23, maybe 24. You're not a top 100 prospect being held off as long as this. So hopefully for Michael Bush, he's able to have enough chances to make some sort of impact, because I think the paternity list is only three days at the absolute max, so he might only be up for three days. Maybe the Dodgers opt to send Luke Williams down and they keep up Michael Bush, but I'm really hoping he's able to impress because we've t- I mean, we've talked about this numerous times. The numbers he's been putting up literally ever since he came up with the Dodgers, single A, double A, triple A, you mentioned it this season. He's sitting 337. I mean, his strikeout and walk percentage are literally almost identical. He's striking out 18% of the time and walking 17% of the time, which is just insane. WRC plus of 147. So he's done all he can in the minors. Now he'll be given an opportunity. And hopefully for him, again, if he's not able to make it once Max Muncy comes back, maybe he can stay on the roster, put him in left field, get him a couple outings there, put him at second base, get Miguel Vargas off his feet for a couple days. So personally, I'm excited just because I want to finally see him play in the big leagues. But two, if all goes right, if he performs at the level we're kind of expecting him to, this could just be another amazing bat for the Dodgers that makes their lineup that much deeper. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I, I'm interested to see um, how exactly he factors in. And obviously, I hope that he can stick around for a little bit because if he continues what he's what he's been doing and if that transitions well for him to, you know, the show, um, then then I think that it's a huge bat for the Dodgers. And again, you know, you look at some of the guys the last couple of years that have come up um, and the Dodgers, for whatever reason, just happen to have this thing with guys when they get called up that they just do extremely well, especially early on, obviously. Bellinger and Seager and Zach McKinstry, um, when when Kyle Farmer got called up. like I mean, all these guys, James Outman, obviously, 
But, you know, these guys get called up and they just go off immediately. So I'm hoping that it transitions well for uh, or it translates well for for Michael Bush. Um, and, uh, and I hope that he can stick around for a while, because if he does, that means he's he's being a really big asset to the team, which obviously the team has been they're back above 500. But, you know, so far this season, they've been hot and cold. So hopefully it works well. So if Michael Bush uh, performs up to expectations, the question for you, Josh, is how long does it take until you're making a trip up to the uh, top of the stadium team store and you're getting that custom Michael Bush number 83 jersey made? <laughs> I don't know if I would. I I have said that there are few guys that I that I have covered that I would get a jersey of. Um, I just, I, it's not really my thing. Um, I, I, I think that if I, if it came down to, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but like if a Spencer Torkelson or an Alec Manoa ended up with the Dodgers, that's probably a Jersey I would get. Um, personally, um, nobody listening to this podcast is going to know who it is, but for any hockey fans, like if a Joey Decord signed with the Kings, that's probably a Jersey that I would consider getting like, just guys that like I, I had covered and, and got to know. And I think that would be cool. But other than that, I just, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would, but I, I am very intrigued to see how good that number 89 Jersey <laughs> turns out to be. You also want to hold off just in case he shipped off in July oh, yeah. in the <laughs> trick package, which think about it might happen. Th- think about it. I mean, I did a story on Josiah Gray at spring training and Josiah Gray's a great guy. Um, he obviously was, was at spring training for the Dodgers debuted for the Dodgers and was great. And, um, and he was a Chatham angler too. Um, so, and not a guy that was on any of the teams that I covered, but I was stoked for him, got to talk to him and do a story on him, which was really great. Um, and then he makes his debut and what if I had gotten a number 83 Jersey that would not have gone very well because he was gone very quickly. Uh, he, what traded, two weeks after his major league debut. So uh, that was a tough one. <laughs> hey, here, here's to hoping Michael Bush is here in two weeks. So that's going to be fun to see. He'll be making his debut tomorrow. I assume he's going to be in the starting lineup. So he'll be getting reps at third base, but we'll see if he gets reps anywhere else. Josh, can you imagine if like a week ago we would have uh, been looking at our outline for this show and it would start off with Michael Bush making his major league debut, but then it would be followed by Mookie Betts, starting shortstop i mean i don't know which one would have been more hard to believe probably the michael bush one just because again you have to believe it to see it but we're going to transition now because we got to talk about this because i have yet to hear your thoughts on the whole thing so last week and i i was there when this initially kind of developed but i think it was last tuesday dave roberts pretty much said yeah mookie bets he's going to be in the infield tomorrow somewhere and one of the reporters was like yeah did i mishear you you said in the infield somewhere where else would he be if he's not playing second base? And Dave was like, oh, he'd be a shortstop, as if everyone was expecting this. And then, obviously, in Chicago, Mookie Betts, he literally showed up in, like, the third inning after flying from L.A. after, you know, giving, well, he didn't give birth, his wife gave birth, and he just goes and plays shortstop to end the game, and he does fantastic. Then he's in the starting lineup again playing shortstop. So, uh, Josh, uh, the Dodgers have a shortstop problem. And it looks like to solve that problem, they're going to put a gold glover Mookie Betts at short. What are your thoughts on yeah. that? I mean, so far, so good, right? I mean, three games or whatever it is. And uh, he's appeared there in three games. Uh, he's only started one. And uh, 
so far so good. I mean, no qualms with anything. So, I mean, if you can keep it up, great. Obviously, you had that really nice uh, play jumping over second base and making that throw. Um, that's obviously the highlight right now. Um, but I think at some point we're going to get like a vintage, like Mookie Betts diving play, except it's going to be in the infield all of a sudden. Um, so, so I think that could be interesting just because the dude just makes plays wherever. And it's really funny because we do, we do act like, Oh my God, Mookie Betts is at short. Um, the same way that we would probably act with like, Oh my God, Kike Hernandez is catching. But at the same time, like, are you really surprised? Like, are we really surprised that he's good at this? Because he seems like he's good at everything else. It's like one Mookie Betts is the guy that you'd be like, he's a he's a good bowler. Sure he is. I'm not surprised. So, I mean, it's just not shocking to me in the slightest. Obviously, if he continues to play shortstop, I hope it's because he's absolutely unbelievable at it, and not because he he needs to, and the Dodgers need him to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in on it at least for a little bit. Yeah, I think the other day when he was talking about it, he was essentially like, yeah, it's weird for everyone else, but it's not really weird for me because when he was drafted, you know, 10 years ago, he was drafted as a shortstop. He then played shortstop, I think, in the Arizona Fall League, and then they ultimately moved him over. But, like, the dude came up as an infielder. He just had to move to outfield to accommodate the Red Sox. But this is a guy that he's an amazing athlete wherever you put him in. In a small sample size, he's already shown he's more than capable of playing shortstop. I mean, we've seen him look really solid at second base. So it's not surprising that he looks really good at shortstop. And for the Dodgers moving forward, I kind of like this because they've just had no offensive production to start the year at all between Miguel Rojas, Chris Taylor. I think they have Luke Williams up. They had Yoni Hernandez up for like a day. If you're getting this production out of your shortstop position, I think it makes the Dodgers that much better. I think it allows you to expand the lineup that much more. It gives James Alman a guaranteed everyday spot in the starting lineup. And it gives guys like David Peralta, Jason Hayward, where although the numbers aren't saying they're having great seasons, the underlying numbers, the advanced metrics say that they're you know due for a breakout. So I'm all for it. If Mookie Betts wants to play shortstop, and it sounds like he's pretty much said, like, I want to, like, I prefer being in the infield. And this way, you don't have to worry about him being at second base, where now, all of a sudden, if Michael Bush stays up, Michael Bush can play second, and Mookie doesn't have to worry about it, or Miguel Vargas can stay at second, he doesn't have to worry about it. So, uh, if Mookie's okay with it, which he is, I think the Dodgers should continue doing this. Obviously, give him a few starts in right field here and there, so you can give Rojas and Taylor their reps, but... Josh, I, I didn't think I'd like it as much as I did initially when I heard the news. I was kind of like, okay, this is cute for a day. But I'm kind of like on the train now of I want Mookie to be the 65-70% starting shortstop for the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, I, I also don't know what it takes to qualify to have a different position listed on your baseball reference page. Um, because it seems like guys all the time are just like, Right fielder, left fielder, center fielder, outfielder, left uh, shortstop, infielder, first baseman. Like, guys have that listed. Mookie Betts has played, like, almost 300 games in center field, and he's still only listed as a right fielder on baseball reference. So I say, look, we're three games in. Put shortstop up there, too. Let's just throw it on there and manifest uh, a Hall of Fame career at shortstop for Mookie Betts. Why not? I mean, that would be something. I mean, the dude's already, again, won five or six gold gloves in right field. Make him a gold glove shortstop. I mean, at this point, what else can the guy do? So 
I'm in favor of it. It'll be interesting to see how much more they do this moving forward, especially with Rojas on the IL. Once he returns, maybe they opt to not do it again. But like I said, I'm in favor of it. I want to see more of it. I want to see more chaos. And who knows, Josh, maybe if you have Mookie Betts at shortstop, going back to this whole Brian Reynolds thing we've talked about numerous times this offseason, this again gives them another opportunity if they should if they should choose to trade for an all-star kind of center fielder you now officially move James Dalman to right field where defensively he's been really good this season. He's had a couple of insane throws. Uh, his percentiles are above average there. So you have a really solid outman in right, put a Brian Reynolds in center, and then in left field, you can work around, again, Trace, Hayward, Peralta, Chris Taylor, and then you still have Mookie Betts in shortstop as your number one guy. Like The opportunities really now are endless if you consider him a shortstop. Yeah, they, they really are, and... I think that that does free up a lot for you too, because I, I mean, I think that's awesome um, that if the Dodgers had the foresight to do this with something, you know, on the horizon in mind, um, then I think it's genius because obviously I think that you can expect Mookie Betts to be pretty good wherever he plays, put him at first, let him catch. I don't care. I I'm sure he'd be fine regardless, but um yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you move him out of the outfield and if you expect, uh, you know, I would love to see Mookie Betts stay in the outfield long-term again over the summer when you had your tin foil hat or uh, over the, over the off season, when you had your tin foil hat, Aaron judge theory, I thought, all right, I mean, move Mookie, you know, if that's, if that's going to be the case, move Mookie or, Hey, if you're going to put somebody else in right field, put Mookie in center, you know, and he's played center before. So um, I, I'm kind of in on that. If they're going to move him to the infield full time, um, I don't, Personally, I don't see that happening. Um, if it's a majority of the time moving forward, great, because again, that does free up another bat, another position, another, you know, guy that you can put in the outfield if you're in fact are going to explore a trade. Yeah, the, the good thing with this whole Mookie thing, it's not like years back when they moved Trey to second base when they still had Seager and he was clearly upset. It's like Mookie prefers to be at second base or shortstop compared to right field. Like he's a gold glover in right field. But his preference is playing in the infield. So anytime Dave says we want you there, Mookie will say that is fine with me. I will play it. So Mookie bets all star shortstop. Who would have thought? <laughs> Not us. Yeah. A week ago, we get we get him at short. We get Michael Bush coming up. Josh, like just keep making your your dream picks for the Dodgers because they're they're coming true at this point. There's nothing yeah. that's outlandish at this point. Yeah, and uh, and. What about uh, the next thing that we're going to talk about here, which I think two weeks ago we probably would not have expected, which is no Max Muncy being named National League Player of the Week. Yeah, I don't think anyone could have seen this coming. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say that is a perfect, uh, a perfect little tease because we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, yeah, we're going to be talking about Max Muncy essentially making Josh and I, mostly me, look like the dumbest individuals <laughs> on a planet Earth. So we'll get back to that in a second. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, 
so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we are back, and we got to talk about Max Muncy because Josh, um, yeah, this is bad. <laughs> Apparently now, what I've learned is over the last few days, I've essentially become a meme. Um, when I really? posted that article, when I posted that article, uh, it was... I'm sorry, you should not have a 115 hitter who is awful leading the league in strikeouts as your cleanup hitter. And then I put a few other things. But now apparently people just copy and paste that whenever Muncy does something and they just tweet it out. And everyone knows about it because, yeah, I, I said Max Muncy should not be your cleanup hitter. No, I will stand by this, Josh. We were both right. At the time when we said this, Max Muncy was the worst hitter in all of baseball. And ever since... We posted that show, and the article dropped the same day. Uh, let me just read these Max Muncy numbers, Josh, because uh, ever since we spoke so highly of him, it's been 13 games. He's hitting 368 on base percentage of 510, OPS of 1,700, 10 home runs, 19 RBIs. He was just named Player of the Week because I think he hit like five home runs, posted an OPS of 2,000. He now leads all of baseball in home runs. I believe he's second in OPS. I think he's first in slugging. Uh, he might be first in total bases. He's first in essentially every category imaginable. And uh, we both said, move his ass down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. And again, I think we were right at the time. Um, you know, Blake, if if you're a meme, that's fine. Um, I say just take credit for it because we came on that show the next day they started playing the Giants and it, that was it. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I want to say at the end of the episode, you said like, you know, who knows? I mean, he plays really well against the Giants. Hopefully he can like get it going here against somebody, not the Arizona Diamondbacks, but my God, I mean, the guy's been un unreal. And you know, my broadcast partner, who I've been on the road with these last couple of days doing doing playoff games with, is a huge Mets fan. And he's like, oh, Pete Alonso just hit his 11th or his 10th or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, wow, good for him. And then, like, Major League Baseball is like, Pete Alonso, league-leading 10th home run. And, like, later that day, like, Max Muncy's like, all right, here's my 10th. All right, here's my 11th. I mean, I don't know who's – who who – it's just – I mean, the guy's laughing at us. He's got to be. I hope he's seen it. I don't think he has. Probably. I hope he's yeah. seen it, though. <laughs> no, this would happen. It was definitely uh, revealed to him in his clubhouse locker that Monday when they played the Giants. Someone said, hey, Max, got to check this out. Look at these two guys. Look what they had to say about you. And he Somebody said, yeah, sent again. it to him on Twitter or Instagram, and then somebody printed yeah. out your article and stapled it to the back of his locker. Yeah, every time he's in the box, he's probably just reciting to himself, I'm sorry, nobody with a 115 batting average and a 32 WRC plus <laughs> leading the league in strikeouts should be hitting fourth. There it goes, gone forever. So, hey, he again, pictures Josh, your we face on Muncie. every baseball that comes. 
his way. <laughs> it's it's gotten to the point now though, because there was one where I think I did a Chris Taylor article, and I think that weekend he had a couple home runs. So I I I fixed Chris Taylor briefly, but it's gotten to the point where I think people are like now asking me to fix players for them. Like yeah. if there's a player struggling, they're coming to me and they're saying, "Okay, can you say something about Austin Barnes? Can you say something about this guy?" And I'm like, "We, we got to hold off on our power. We can't use it for everyone." You know, well, can you at least do me a favor and write an article that's like Michael Bush does not deserve this call up? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's the ironic thing. I did one literally about four days ago saying Michael Bush deserves to be called up no matter the case. So maybe maybe now it's I don't know. There's some greater power at work here. But yeah, Max Muncy, he's been the best hitter in all of baseball. And the craziest thing is, Josh, is how Max Muncy was just named player of the week when you still got a guy like James Outman, who is maybe been the second best hitter in all of baseball this year, because we just talked about Max Muncy, how he's leading essentially every category. I know every show we kind of have like our designated James Outman segment, but it's still, we're 23 games into the season, hitting 311, OPS of 1100, OPS plus of 190, seven homers, 19 RBIs. He's not cool enough either. Now, again, if, if you include his small sample size last year, it's still been like 25, 27 games, but he is still proving that he is legitimate. He is the real deal. Like I talked about earlier, defensively, he's looked really, really good in the outfield. And hitting-wise, he's just doing everything the Dodgers were kind of hoping for. And with how many outfielders have kind of struggled so far for the Dodgers this year, I know Max Muncy's numbers are better up until this point. But I think you could say James Outman has been the Dodgers MVP through these first three and a half, four weeks of the season. Oh, oh, definitely. I mean, you look at what he's doing among rookies, too, and he's tied for the league lead in runs and hits and leads the league in triples and home runs and RBIs. And, you know, and he's not leading in batting average, but that's just because uh, he's, I mean, certain ABs would have him qualify for more. He's got like 20 more ABs than somebody else um, and is second in batting average and by far, I mean, is blowing all of the other rookies out of the way in, in uh, OPS. So, I mean, he's just been phenomenal for the Dodgers. He's been their most consistent hitter. And every single time he steps up to the plate, I think to myself, this guy didn't get any postseason at bats last year. Like it's, it should be cool, but it's like frustrating because, (laughs) because he would have been nice to have in the playoffs last year, just because he, every, the sample size that we've got from him, I feel like at this point is good enough to know how good he is. Um, And obviously I hope it, I hope it keeps up. I think he's got all the tools to just continue to be um, consistent for the Dodgers offensively. Um, And that's exactly what they need. And he's been awesome. And I think that um, yes, Muncie has been the best Dodgers hitter recently, but since the start of the season and since opening day, Max uh, James Altman rather has been their most consistent player. And that includes, I think, Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. Yeah, I mean, Freddie and Mookie, Freddie especially, he's been kind of cool this year, but I'm trying to find this tweet I did. I can't find it, but it's essentially going back to how last season the Dodgers saw what they had in James Outman. They saw what he was doing in the minors, and they still said, you know what? We're going to give a bats to Cody Bellinger, Joey Gallo, pray that they figure it out. Or even like we've talked about with Miguel Vargas, he didn't necessarily need to be up last year. And I tweeted this the other day saying, we w- we will n- we'll never know. But there's an alternate reality out there where the Dodgers let James Outman play in September. They let him get at bats. Now, I'm not saying he would have done what he's doing now. He very well could have. 
and he's on that NLDS roster, and who knows what happens if James Outman is on that roster. That That's a reality yeah. that's somewhere out there in the uh, quantum realm. Maybe, uh, you know, we can get into the MCU and we could find it for ourselves to see what the result would be. We'll just never Dodgers, know. Dodgers, what if? It, yeah. What if? <laughs> and again, it, it's it's incredible what he's been doing and the fact that he's been not only the best hitter among all rookies, one of the best hitters in all of baseball in, in general, which is crazy because, you know, before the season started, we talked about how the rookie of the year candidates, Miguel Vargas, he was expected to be the breakout candidate for the Dodgers. Ryan Pepio, he was expected to be the breakout candidate for the Dodgers. Instead, it's James Outman. He's looking fantastic. Hopefully, again, this continues because it has only been 25 games. But between him and Max Muncy, who knows where the Dodgers' offense would be because, you know, Freddie, he's not his typical self. Mookie's kind of been struggling the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Will Smith, he's missed two weeks now. J.D. Martinez has been kind of up and down. Those two guys in the Dodgers' offense, the fact that they're, what, one game above 500 with them, uh, if they weren't performing, Josh... We might be uh, looking at the last place in the NL West at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think that also I think, uh, you know, Freddie Freeman not living up to his standards is still him hitting 281 with an 807 OPS. So, I mean, he's been I, I think he's been fine. But yeah, I mean, without without some of these guys, you know, the Dodgers, you know, wouldn't be where they're at right now. And again, you know, they're only a game above 500 right now. So um I still think obviously the team has a lot of room to grow, which is nice because I think these last couple of games, except for, you know, the one 13, nothing loss or whatever it was to the Cubs. Like, you know, there were moments when I thought they were playing the way that they should play and they were getting the timely hits. They were getting the big hits. Um, the bullpen was um, acceptable and, and they were winning games the way that they should. So um, moving forward, I think you obviously want to see more consistency and there are some guys who have been that. And obviously there have been guys who haven't been. Yeah, I mean, that's been the biggest issue where it seems like either one game, the offense is clicking and everything's looking good, but the pitching sucks. And then the next day, the pitching, they shut things down, but the offense is nowhere to be found and they lose two to one. The last couple of games against the Cubs, it seems like it's been the first time really all year. Things have been clicking on both ends. So hopefully the Dodgers can get more of that because, again, they've won two games in a row now for the first time in like three weeks, which is insane to think about, but there is some news, Josh, that I do want to get to because there's been a lot of shuffling going on. And the biggest, I think, and this is still kind of concerning is with Will Smith, who has missed, I believe a week and a half. He's closed in on two weeks. Now he's been on the concussion. IEL. sounds like he's not going to return for this Pittsburgh series at all. So now we're hoping he's back for this weekend against the Cardinals. I think what we've seen the last two weeks between Austin Barnes, who I think actually raised his batting average yesterday by getting a hit, so he's now hitting 0.63. And then you have Austin Wins, who got a hit in his first at bat, but he's 0 for 7 since. We're learning the hard way just how valuable Will Smith is when he's in the starting lineup and how uh, the Dodgers need to be extra cautious with him moving forward because this is his first concussion, and if he's missing two weeks with his first... If you were to somehow get another, the Dodgers could be potentially screwed considering their catching depth right now. Yeah, um, it's definitely not a great outlook for the Dodgers because, again, we, we've talked about Will Smith that when he's in the lineup, um, not only is he one of the Dodgers' most important players, but you know he's one of the better players in baseball, not just better catchers, not just one of the better hitters, but he's one of the best overall players in the game. Um, so, so I think that he's obviously got a huge impact on the team and, and right now, um, 
yeah, the catching depth is not great. And, you know, we can talk about Austin Barnes' defensive abilities all we want, but the fact that he's hitting 060-whatever is not going to bode well for this team. And Austin wins. Uh, yeah, I mean, he had he had the hit, and that was great. But, you know, he's 1 for 10. Um, and, yeah, he had those two RBIs, but he's 1 for 10 to start with the Dodgers. So you've got two catchers that are hitting a combined 160, if, you know, if that. Um, and I don't think that bodes well for the team without a guy like Will Smith in the lineup, or at least available. Yeah, so hopefully he's able to return because the Dodgers are... It's one thing where you just take his bat out of the lineup, but then it's another when you replace it with essentially a guaranteed out at this point. I mean, it's been horrible for the Dodgers catchers, so hopefully this weekend he's able to return. Some other injury news, it does sound like Tony Gonsolin is actually going to return this series in Pittsburgh. I don't know if it's official, if it's going to be Wednesday or Thursday yet, but Dave pretty much said that the plan is to call him up. He did make one rehab start last week, and he was pretty good, but I think his like velocity was down two or three miles per hour than what we're accustomed to. So I don't know if it's the smartest idea to bring back a guy who has missed a couple of months, his velocity's down when... You can either make it a bullpen game, have like Andre Jackson start. Obviously, Michael Grove is on the IL. That's why we're in the situation to begin with. But yeah, Josh, I don't know if uh, a guy who is prone to injuries in the past, who just missed, you know, a month and a half to two months with an ankle injury. I don't know if you kind of want to uh, rush him back for, uh, you know, a series that is at the end of April when you have a whole lot of season left ahead of you. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that concerns me a little bit, but at, at this point, you know, the Dodgers, they've just had so many guys out of the lineup early on and been so inconsistent anyway that I'm, I'm not even totally opposed to it. But um, yeah, I guess it is a little bit concerning and maybe pump the brakes a little bit, but, um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm like cautiously optimistic, but I mean, obviously there are guys in, in the pitching staff that just haven't gotten it done. Um, and we've been saying since the beginning of the year, like, all right, we'll hold on. Like they'll get some guys back and people will get healthy. And, you know, we, that's been something we've been waiting on. Um, so now that we're starting to get close, I'm kind of interested to see, you know, what comes out of it. Yeah. So hopefully he's able to give the Dodgers four or five innings, something like that, because yeah, the bullpen, it's still it's still bad. I'm really interested to see what happens for this series, especially because Evan Phillips, he's on the paternity list. Bruce Dargrado is going to be on the paternity list. Alex Vesia, Andre Jackson, Yancy Almonte, they've all been horrible for the Dodgers. So they're going to need some length from their starters in this series, especially to limit the number of relievers you have to use. Josh, you may have missed this one, but we had our annual Jake Reed signing a couple days ago. He was called up, pitched, got rocked, was DFA'd the next day. Rinse and repeat. I think that's like the fourth time that's happened for the dude. So they might, they must have a deal in place. There has to be a deal in place. Like, (laughs) Hey Jake, like, I'm sorry, man, but why don't you just be our little ringer? And, uh, anytime we need you, we'll sign you and we'll let you go the next day. You'll be home by dinner. Like, (laughs) I like, how does this keep happening? It's what this guy has to go through. I mean, I think I saw something where like in the last 12 months alone, he's been DFA'd eight different times. Not with the Dodgers. I think just in general, I think with the Dodgers, it's been like three or four, but we had a Jake Reed signing. 
he's going to be nowhere to be found for a couple months. And then on like July 21st, he's just going to come out of the bullpen and he'll be DFA the next day. And then we're going to go through the process once again. And yeah, he'll be a Dodger maybe <laughs> once again in September. Um, a couple other uh, injury news pits just to talk about really quickly, Josh, because I don't think we touched on this uh, whenever we recorded last. The first is that Daniel Hudson was transferred to the 60-day IL, meaning the earliest he's going to be able to return is going to be the end of May, which not an encouraging sign because the Dodgers were going to be banking on him a lot this season. He didn't pitch at all during the spring. He's still kind of struggling to come back from, you know, his ACL surgery last, uh, last I think, June or so. And the other one that kind of sucks the most is the fact that Ryan Pepio, he was also transferred to the 60-day IL, which this one really is, I think, the worst out of the bunch because we kind of knew that Daniel Hudson wouldn't be fully ready by the time the season started. But Ryan Pepio literally had earned a spot in the starting rotation. He was going to be the Dodgers' number five guy. He... I think on that Tuesday, two days before the season started, he started for the Dodgers in Anaheim and then uh, placed on the aisle to start the season. Dodgers said they caught it early, and now he's been transferred to the 60-day IL, which means the earliest we could see him would be the end of May. But by the time the end of May rolls around, um, with Tony Gonsolin back, I'm not necessarily certain there's going to be a spot in the rotation or maybe even in the bullpen for Ryan Pepio whenever he's healthy. Well, I hope something comes up in the bullpen. And if it doesn't, that means that maybe you've got some bullpen pieces that have actually started pitching a little bit better in relief. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, that's it's definitely a disappointing one. And even, you know, from the fact that we got a chance to talk with him and, you know, hear about w- what he was working on going into the season, what he wanted to improve on, what he wanted to accomplish this year. So so it, it, it is definitely disappointing that he hasn't gotten his crack yet. Um, but who knows, maybe there's a chance that, when you see him by the end of May um, or even into June, um, he will have a more defined role and he'll be back to 100%. Yeah. If I were to guess, maybe he'll take over like the Andre Jackson kind of role. I know we talked about that. The Dodgers need a guy that can give you length out of the bullpen. So maybe he's that guy. And again, injuries happen in the starting rotation. I mean, between Kershaw, you know, Syndergaard, uh, maybe Gonsolin gets hurt again. Maybe there'll be an opportunity for him to, you know, re-enter the stride and rotation. But yeah, sucks for Pepio and also, again, sucks for Daniel Hudson because by the time he returns, even if he returns in June, that's going to be the one-year mark from when he even suffered the injury. So it's going to be a long time since Daniel Hudson took the mound. So a lot of injuries. Again, we didn't even really talk about the Miguel Rojas one, but that's kind of fine. The Dodgers don't need to worry about him not being in the lineup, but we don't know how long he's going to be out. That could be an extended period of time. So it just seems like there's a lot of injuries going on right now. Hopefully the Dodgers are able to uh, stay healthy moving forward, get all these guys back. But Josh, we're going to take one final break. When we come back, we're going to be answering questions from the fans. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
All right, Josh, we are back. It is time to end the show with a mailbag. As we do most shows, we like to answer questions from the viewers. So if you guys would like to ask us a, que a question in a future episode, make sure to find us on Twitter at Inside the Ravine. We usually post over there about an hour before the show starts where you guys can submit any Dodgers questions you guys have. Josh, we have a couple <laughs> about, uh, we kind of talked about this, but uh, what happened nine months ago with uh, all these Dodger players? A lot of paternity leaves recently. I'll start. Yeah, with... yeah. Telling you the Do the Dodgers baby boom, the baby boom. Um, yeah. David Ortega, <laughs> this is actually a pretty interesting one right here, Josh. Uh, where should James Outman be hitting in this lineup, and how big will the Gavin Lux injury end up being? One quick thing I wanted to add on this Gavin Lux injury. I did tweet this the other day, but. The crazy thing is with this whole James Outman breakout is the fact that if the Gavin Lux injury would not have happened, James Outman would still be in the minors because essentially the roster was already decided and James Outman took Gavin Lux's spot on the roster. So if Gavin Lux doesn't tear his ACL and is healthy, we're not getting this from James Outman and he's still in the minors. But I think it also just goes to show how big the Gavin Lux injury is, Josh, is the fact that the Dodgers are having to rely on Mookie Betts to play shortstop. That their backup option has been a bust. Their third string option in Chris Taylor hasn't worked out so far. And their minor league options in Luke Williams and Yanni Hernandez have been pretty horrible as well. So this whole Gavin Lux thing, it has had one just massive trickling effect on the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been pretty crazy how, how much of an impact it's had. But, you know, for James Altman, I personally want to see him higher in the lineup. Um, if I could construct my ideal Dodgers lineup at this point, to be completely honest with you, I'd love to sit, see him bat lead off. Oh, you looked at my not? notes, I mean, didn't you? No, I mean, like, look, my notes. I, we, <laughs> we, we, um, I, the guy that you want batting lead off for me, doesn't have to be a tiny fast guy who can run really fast and, put the ball in play. Like, I think you want a lot of times the guy who just gets on base more than anybody else. And right now for me, that's James Outman. And is Mookie Betts a great leadoff hitter? Yes. But at the same time last year, and people will call me insane for this take, but like last year, you could have had an argument for Freddie Freeman batting leadoff. Is he fast? Absolutely not. Does he need to be? When we were in college, there was a time when, ASU considered batting Spencer Torkelson leadoff. And I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he did a little bit. And everyone was like, what are you doing? And they're like, he's the best hitter in the country. Why would we not start off the inning and the game with a hit or a home run? Like, or they would put, they had another guy in outfield that they would bat leadoff who put the ball in play, got on a lot. And they were like, we are fully aware that we have the slowest leadoff hitter in baseball, but he gets on base and Spencer Torkelson comes up, and then we're up to nothing. Like, James Outman is not the most outrageous home run hitter of all time, but um, I'm not saying anybody else's. I'm just speaking freely. But James Outman right now is the Dodgers' most reliable guy at the plate. So why not let him bat leadoff? And you know what? If he's not batting leadoff, I'm fine with that. You know, if it's, if it's Mookie, and then it's Freddie, and then it's James Outman, great. Or two of those guys, and then Muncie and James Outman, great. He can't be hitting fifth, sixth, or seventh anymore. I mean, 
I know that at some point you want to play the analytics, the, the matchups, the lefty righty, whatever. But at some point, this guy needs to be higher in the lineup. Like, if I had to be honest and give a top four in the lineup for me, I'm going Betts, Outman, or Outman, Betts, and then Freeman and Muncie. That's the way that I would do it right now because I think that's the Dodgers' best foreign order. Yeah, so right now I looked it up. Uh, James Outman, his on base percentage is 400 which would be the 12th best in the National League, which is, you know, really good. Max Muncy's actually slightly ahead of him on base percentage of 411. So he's getting on base two out of five times. You know, he's got the second highest on base percentage. And, you know, he is fast as well. I think, I don't know if he still does, if he leads the Dodgers in steals still, but he still offers a lot of speed. And what it does for the Dodgers is, it not only makes your lineup that much deeper, where all of a sudden you're pushing everyone down one spot, it still allows the Dodgers and Dave Roberts to do this little rotation that they just love and they have to do every game because James Alman, you have him hit leadoff, lefty, Mookie, righty, Freddie third, lefty, Will Smith fourth, righty, Max Muncie fifth, lefty, then you have J.D. Martinez sixth, righty. I guess the only downside is it's like then all of a sudden you have Max Muncie and Will Smith hitting fit, one of them hitting fifth, which I, I can kind of get. I mean, at the absolute worst, he should be hitting sixth behind those five guys, including J.D. Martinez. But like you, Josh, I, I do like the idea of James Outman hitting first because this is something we talked about last year. I think we talked about it during the offseason. With guys like Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Max Muncy, you need to give them so many opportunities to have guys on base. I mean, last season, Mookie Betts had, what, 36 home runs, and I think he only drove in, like, 85 runs. It's because no one was ever on base for him. Well, if all of a sudden now you put James Outman ahead of him, he's going to have more opportunities with guys on base. Freddie Freeman's going to have more opportunities with more guys on base. So I think it makes the Dodgers lineup that much deeper. They still get to do their lefty-righty, lefty-righty thing. I get not wanting to. I get wanting to keep those guys there. But, I mean, if you're having Max Muncie as your number four hitter with Will Smith and J.D. Martinez to follow as your five and six... I mean, I, I think that Dodger lineup is insanely deep, and we haven't even gotten to the point of talking about how a month from now, Michael Bush is going to be in the discussion to be the cleanup hitter to make matters even <laughs> that much worse. So, um, yeah, I, I like the idea of Albin hitting leadoff, but if you're going to have him not in that spot, I think hitting him sixth is the absolute uh, lowest that you can put him. And if someone's got an off day, uh, those five guys in front of him, he needs to be hitting fifth because you cannot continue to have this guy hitting seventh, eighth in the lineup like he's been doing routinely for the Dodgers. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that I, I think that he has to be because um, just the way that the team has played this year. I mean, I, 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 while we were going through this last conversation, I was kind of perusing the, uh, the team stats um, across the league. And, you know, the Dodgers are obviously very high in, in, um, triples in home runs and RBIs and runs scored, but their consistent hitting has not been great. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I think step one is to get guys healthy and back in the lineup, but at some point I think you need to have your better hitters hitting toward the top of your lineup because that's just not been the case recently. And it's look, it's gotten to the point where it's like, and again, you know, I gave you my, my ideal top four. Maybe that wouldn't be the case if Will Smith was in the lineup every night, right? Yeah. Because I think earlier in the year, he was hitting a little bit lower in the lineup, and I argued that he should be hitting third or fourth, right? Um, so, you know, obviously, I think that would change a little bit. It makes your lineup a little bit scarier if you add a guy like Will Smith into it, but 
I mean, right now, I think you just need your better guys to be hitting higher in the lineup. And this goes back to, you know, roasting Max Muncy a little while back, too, because. Sure. Did we cure him with our voodoo? Yes. But at the same time, um, at the same time, like at the time of that show, he should not have been hitting where he was hitting. And at least in my opinion, I, 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 I don't think that he should have been hitting where he was hitting. Now, he got out of his funk. He played incredibly well. He's the National League Player of the Week. He has totally turned around the outlook of even just the starting lineup for the Dodgers when he's in the lineup. And that's huge going forward. So I would like to see some of the guys who have been more consistent get more at-bats. Um, and then, you know, we'll see where the Dodgers team's at then. We'll kind of keep this on the Max Muncy discussion because Eduardo wants to know how many homers does Muncy finish with this season? So he's currently got 11. He's played in 22 games. I'd have to do the math on that, Josh, but I think that's a pace of like 86 home runs for the entire season. So, uh, hey, maybe this paternity list is going to prevent him from reaching 86, but maybe he could still hit 80. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's going to hit that that many, um, but you know, we talked about the thirty home run total, and I think that he's he should blow that out of the water. Um, so, no, no, I said twenty home runs. I said twenty home runs. All like uh, seven players hit twenty. I forget what it was, which is bad because I already said that I was very specific about my number. Did I say six or seven? Do you remember? Sorry, I couldn't six. find my unmute button. I think it was six. Okay, six. I think. Well, I'm going to count. It could have been seven. Muncie for me is a guarantee. And I think at that point, he's more than halfway to 20. So I think we're in the clear there easy. So um, I'm going to go with at least 20. I'll say more than 30, which might, might I mean, seem he... like, might seem obvious, right? At this point, it might seem obvious, but I, who knows? You know, guys go through stretches. You look at the first two weeks, two, three weeks that he had, and maybe it's not, you know, Maybe it is a little bit of a stretch. I don't know. So if I did the math correctly, which I wouldn't be shocked if I just did this completely wrong, but uh, my calculations currently currently has Max Muncy finishing the season with a 162-game pace of 77.4 home runs. But he is going to miss the next few games. So let's just assume he uh, misses these next three games, Josh. Well, that would still put him at a pace of... A very, very nice 69 home runs for the entire season. You know what, Josh? But that's also at an 162-game pace, which he's not going to play in 162 games. Yeah. But, hey, he's on pace for it. So I'm going to say, Max Muncy, you heard it here first, finishes the season with a very nice 69 home runs. You're going 69 home runs. That's what the 162-game pace says, so I'm going to rock with it. He keeps up this pace. But if I, he doesn't, then my second guess will be he'll finish with 42. I, <laughs> I that's see, I, I, I'm going to go 39. Okay. I'm going 39. 73 is. That's a lot. <laughs> it's it, it is a lot. I mean, he would essentially have to be hitting what, like. 11 homers a month the rest of the season we've got may june july august so we got five months left so yeah no he'd have to be hitting like what is that 14 homers a month to close out the season I mean, over 73 is the record 
So <laughs> yeah, he'd have to be so, hitting quite a I, lot. But the good thing is, Josh, he doesn't have to get the record. He just has to get to sixty nine. He just has to get which 20. is easier. <laughs> he, he has to get twenty for you to be right. Well, he's already more than more than halfway there. If he there, gets forty, can I count that as another player? <laughs> you can. You can add on. All right. Hey, if if, if maybe count. if a few players get forty, there's like three Dodger players that hit forty. No one else hits twenty. But you're I'm, like, I'm eh, taking it. Six. I'm taking it. No, I specifically <laughs> it said it, it has to be this. I specifically said it has to be the six that I said. And if it was not, and it was seven, but it was different players, it doesn't count. God, so good. So good. So good. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, Eric wants to know, who would be your untouchables in a hypothetical Shohei Otani trade? Well, I think I know Josh's answer, but I'll quickly give mine. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody is untouchable. I don't care if they were a Chatame. Give them away. No. Oh, are we talking prospects or anybody? Because if that's the case, I'm oh. not untouchables. <laughs> okay. If it's prospects, see, he doesn't he doesn't uh, specify. So, assuming it's prospects, I'll say anyone. I mean, in regards to that, I mean, is outside of maybe like Mookie Betts, like it. I don't think there really is an untouchable, even on the big league roster. Like I'd include him. Except, I mean, really. I guess you know you can't include Kershaw because it's Kershaw, but like outside of that, I'd I'd say who do you want? Be my guess. See, I'd say for me, I, I feel like there's Mookie, Freddie, and Will Smith. I feel like, I, oh, I, you know, con, let's put contracts aside. Let's put contract I, unless that's part of the question. For me, contracts yeah. aside, financially putting that aside, I'd say those three. Yeah. See, this is tough, though, because it's like, what if you guarantee by making this move Shohei signs for 10 years and you're getting Shohei for oh. a guaranteed 10 years? Because that's kind of the tough part. I, I could kind of see it where like, if you're trading him for him, you might not know if he's going to stay. But let's say like you're getting the guaranteed, you know, 10 year contract that comes with him. But like, well, like Will Smith, if, if he's gone, I mean, you got Diego Cartaya in the wings. You got Dalton rushing in the wings. Pat Mazika still in the AAA roster. Josh was first home of the night last year. <laughs> I mean, I I think Mookie might be the only one, just because I think he'll hold Freddy? up for the next. I'd I'd ship Freddie. Really? I'd ship him. Put Michael Bush at first base, baby. We ride. That's fair, but like I, I you know, the, the yeah. here's the thing. If you're if you're gonna make that trade, which obviously I don't think they make a trade, I, that's not happening. Like, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, no see chance the Angels uh, make a trade with the Dodgers. Yeah, I think uh, obviously it comes in free agency. If a trade were to hypothetically go down, the the situation that I would have bringing in Shohei is you. No disrespect, you can't end up like the Angels. You cannot end up like the Angels, right. where you have the best players in baseball on the same team and you've accomplished nothing. They've never played in a playoff game. Like You cannot get to that point. So if you send off all these guys, are you going to be in a position to make the playoffs? Like, are you Sure, is Shohei going to be exciting every night? But if you're making some crazy hypothetical trade, are you sending off too many guys that ultimately prevents you from playing legitimate right. and like serious postseason baseball? Are you even a contender? And again, that's all hypothetical because it's yeah. not going to be a trade. It's not going to be a <laughs> yeah. trade. But if it is... If it is, you have to you have to make the playoffs. You have to be able to compile a roster. And I'm not saying like yeah, if that's the case, Anthony Rendon needs to be playing 
and Mike Trout needs to be playing and all these guys have to actually be playing and hitting the baseball and not being pylons out there while Shohei is like the greatest baseball player ever and Mike Trout is the greatest baseball player ever and the Angels win 70 games. You know what the beauty is going to be, Josh? When the Dodgers just Hmm. hold on, when they hold on to all the prospects, they hold on to all their major league talent and they just sign them this offseason. For four hundred million. Say, oh, I was going to say uh, probably a lot more than that. Five hundred million. million for the first couple of years, but hey, I'm down to not give up anything. And hey, it's not our money. Sign them to. It's whatever. not my money. I'm on board. Yeah, if you want to raise the parking price to thirty five dollars, fine. <laughs> Jokes well, on you. We'll, we'll park the hat, outside. The hats are like fifty <laughs> bucks now too. So, but oh, look, I'm not a hat guy. So that's your problem. If you're a hat guy, I know you're a hat guy. So. If you're a hat guy, fine. You're going to have to pay $60 for a hat. You're paying $35 for parking. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. We're fine with that. But, uh, Josh, I feel like that's the perfect way to uh, end this show. Michael Bush with the Dodgers. Mookie Betts playing shortstop. Shohei Otani coming to the Dodgers. And Josh not paying 50 bucks for hats. This this episode really, nah. it had it all. At one point, Josh was even wearing a hat. A true rarity. So, I mean, this was a great episode. I mean, that's a that's a great Chatham Angler set. I will say the logo does seem kind of big. It's it's a kind of big. So here's the I have another one, but this wasn't actually like an official game hat that they wore the second year. It's it's perfectly fine. It's a perfectly fine hat, but the it's also not a fitted hat. It's like a oh. they only had like the four sizes. The year before, I should have gotten one. They had a red brim. And they were fitted. I should have had one of those. I mm. would love to try to go back and find one, um, but I don't have one of those. I do have another blue one that is not a game hat. That's actually pretty pretty sharp, um, and uh, the logo is smaller. Right. Well, I was going to say I hope it's smaller because I don't know how much bigger it could get on that hat. But hey, it's like the Marlins, right? Remember the old Marlins do, hats? Man. Yeah, that thing was just. It was like going to the side of the hat. I think it was going yeah. above the hat too with how, how big it was. But yeah, that, that wraps it up for this episode of Inside the Ravine. Uh, make sure you guys follow us wherever you guys are on social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Inside the Ravine. You can also watch the full episodes on YouTube. Just search Inside the Ravine. We're on whatever app you guys get your podcasts on. The Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. All those fantastic apps that are out there. You guys can listen to every episode. And uh, yeah, I think that pretty much does it. Josh, any parting words? Before uh, before we head out for the week, Michael Bush, do it to him. Yes, we need it. We need it. We need it. Josh, remember they're in Pittsburgh, so the games are at three thirty. So make sure you don't miss Michael Bush's debut. I won't. Yes, you should have <laughs> a. Uh, we need like a Michael Bush tracker or something. Every time he does something, just like a live looking on Josh. Just oh, I'll just, just going yeah, absolutely I'll... ballistic. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yes. <laughs> Josh, how many how many at bats until he gets his first major league hit? And what is the hit that one, he records? One single. <laughs> I'm going sing- I'm going All I'm right. going uh line drive single through the gap. Okay. One A B. There you go. You heard it. You heard it from Josh. So it's going to happen. So as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Make sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever app you guys listen to. It really helps out the show. But for Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your day wherever you may be.